0: All right, let me, let me start uh, with prayer, uh, and then we'll get going. God, you are good. Uh, in fact, last week, God, we learned that you are great. Uh, and God, everything points to you and who you are, uh, God, and your purposes. God, this morning, we uh, ask specifically for ears to hear, God, for eyes to see. Help us to understand what it is in your word uh, that you're purposed after. God, help us understand your mission and our role in that. Uh, God, help me to be clear and concise. Uh, God, help me to... Uh, speak boldly about your truths, uh, but also represent you well. We ask these things in Christ's name, amen. All right, so let, let's start with a little bit of review. So last week, we explored this idea of missions uh, and its ultimate goal. We, uh, <clears throat> you know, we worked together to, to define missions. Do You guys remember how we defined it? It's, it's on the handout in case you forgot. Yeah, that's awesome, right? This idea that the missions isn't just here, that missions has this element of, of crossing boundaries of sorts. So it could be an ethnic boundary, it could be a language boundary, it could be a geographic boundary. But in general, it's this idea of taking it uh, across these boundaries uh, and then seeing disciples made and gathered into churches, right? That's a really, really good definition of, mission, uh, of missions. But let me ask this. Um, Do you guys remember what what, uh, the goal is? What is the ultimate goal of of missions? I think I left this one blank for you. Oh, yeah. All right, so I think only two of you guys were actually here last week, including Cole. That's three. So this is a good review. Uh, The goal of missions is this, is that the global praise of God's glory is the final goal of mission. All right? So the global play, praise of God's glory is the final goal of missions. We saw this in Psalms uh, 67, 66, and 97. If you guys want to go look at those, reference those again, there they are. All right, so <clears throat> a couple things I want to say uh, as a starting, kind of as a starting point. Um, and it, I mentioned last week, we kind of went around the room and introduced ourselves and kind of talked about why we were excited about this class. And for me, um, It's really exciting because I can remember a distinct season in my life when God was, like, throwing all this stuff in front of me, and I was going, what am I supposed to do with all this, you know? I was in the middle of of college. I was three years into an engineering degree. I was pursuing uh, a life that was honestly comfortable, right? I grew up in a home that was divorced and uh, educators, and so divorced educators don't make any money. Um, And so there's a lot that came with that, and so I went to school uh, to to do something different with my life. In the middle of all that, three years into my engineering degree, uh, there was this semester where I, I encountered this guy who said, hey, let's, let's talk about God together. And I said, that sounds great. I, I had been a believer for a while, but I'd never really uh, you know, dug in. I had never been discipled. My, my, my father's not a believer. My, mother, my mother's kind of nominal believer. And so I didn't really know what to do with the Bible. I didn't really know what to do with all this stuff. I'd grown up in a church, sort of, Um, but never really understood what, like, tangibly, what i do with all these things. And so here this guy was. He said, hey, let's do this together. I said, this sounds great. And so over the course of that semester, I also ended up taking perspectives. I also ended up going on my first overseas mission trip. Um, Also, uh, the following that semester, went to Kaleo, which you guys may know of as a discipleship kind of purposed summer project. Um, There was all these things that were happening, and I was going, man, what am I going to do about all this? Like, I'd heard all these things and, and was really trying to discern, what am I going to do? I think that's my fault for touching it. Um, so, um, yeah, so that's, that's where I was. Uh, and, and as a part of that, uh, one the thing that was really cool was understanding kind of this, this thread that went through the Bible. I'd never understood it before. I'd heard, obviously, bits and pieces of the Bible. I'd heard the gospel clearly enough to know that I needed Jesus um, and that I should respond to him in some way, but I didn't know exactly what the big picture was. So let's let's lay some groundwork for this conversation. Let's talk about the title of the lesson itself, right? So the title of the lesson today is Biblical Theology of Missions, and specifically we're going to look at the Old Testament. So in order for us to understand the biblical theology of missions, we have to understand what theology is. So what would you guys say theology is? Honestly, that's like the full description of theology as, it, as far as it goes with Webster. Um, they throw some things about nature and religious belief, but it is the study of God, right? So, so then if that's theology, what is biblical theology? It's like one step further. That's right. So I found a formal statement on this, on this online, <clears throat> and it says that theology, uh, biblical theology is theology that seeks to drive, uh, derive its categories of thought and norms for its interpretation from the study of the Bible as a whole, All right? So if we look at the entire Bible, what does it say, uh, and, and how does it help us form categories? So to give you some blanks to fill, biblical theology gives us categories for what matters to God, All right? It's the act of interpreting the entire Scripture, uh, and then that thing being the lens through which we see the world. Uh, it's the thing that we process thought and make decisions. Uh, if we have categories for who God is uh, based on the whole of Scripture, it helps us do these things, right? Um, it gives us also context for God's mission. So, what is God's mission? Um, we talked about this some last week, right? Um, but really, that's what we're here to discover. This week and next week, we're going we're gonna to take the Scripture and, and look through it methodically uh, and try to figure out, okay, what's the story here? What is, what is the thread that runs through this entire thing? Because um, context really matters. And, and ultimately, uh, I'm going to, so, so you guys know, I, I finished my, my career in college uh, as a communications major. Um, and what I was at least taught, I remember at least one thing from that process, which was um, don't bury the lead, right? Don't, don't put the most important stuff at the very bottom. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you, missions is what the Bible is all about. Since, since the very beginning, since creation, God has been interested in redeeming all peoples to himself. Um, we're going to walk through that together um, today and, and over the next two weeks, uh, and we're going to discover how that unfolds through the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, I think what we'll see is that from Genesis to Revelation, uh, we'll find God's heart for the world placed specifically throughout the entire text. Um, And then we'll also find our role in it all, right? Because that'll be our context uh, for doing, uh, uh, for interpreting missions. All right, so um, let's, before we go too deep, there are some things, I think some baselines. I think that's the inside of, of this first page um there's a couple frameworks i think are worth going over uh the first framework is this the main character of the bible is god it's not you it's not me god is the main character he was the one that was there in the beginning he was the one that orchestrated all the things that have happened and he's the one that holds this, all these things together and ultimately has a plan from eternity past to eternity forward um so, said in another way, uh, the Bible has the whole world in view of, as God's possession. It is all his. It's all for his purpose. Let's look at a couple of verses together. So, if somebody would look up Genesis 1-1. Somebody pick up Psalm 24. And someone pick up Acts 17. And I'll say this now. Uh, the rest of our day is going to look like this. Uh, flipping through the Bible... Uh, and looking and seeing what God's word says so that we can form categories of thought for what God's mission is. Um, I think there's probably 50 for us to look up, so. If you don't get one of these, you might get another. All right, who has Genesis 1-1? So not only does he possess it, he created it. It's all his. All right, how about Psalm 24, one through two? Again, just underlying the fact that this is God's story. What about Acts 17:26? That's good. All right, so the next framework to keep in mind is that the Bible presents God as the only true and global deity. I'll read these verses for us. Jeremiah 10.10 says, that, But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God, the eternal King. Deuteronomy 4.39 says, Acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on earth below. There is no other. Right. So I think if you think about this, um, and put it in context of a, of a lot of world religions, right? A lot of things going on about the world. Um, we, we should um, take a little bit of an offense when, when, when we're talked about as another religion, or we're talked about Christianity, that is, as another religion, or that our God is just another God, the God of Christians. Because what the Bible clearly says is that he is the only true and global deity, um, that's a big framework to keep in mind, especially as we dive deeper and deeper into this thing called missions, there are things at least that will that'll come up. Uh, thanks, Cole. Uh, it feels closer now. I can move up too. Um, uh, as we dive deeper, there'll be things that come up that uh, will rest against this truth, right? We need to, we need to f- like know this truth well. All right? And the final framework is this is that God's people have been called out from among the nations for God's blessing and glory among the nations. Uh, We'll spend a lot of time looking at Genesis 12.3 this morning, but if someone wants to to pull it up, go ahead and do that. The other one is Isaiah 37.20. So here, here we are, 12 chapters into the Bible, and God is already laying out his plan, that he's, that he's going to uh, bless all nations, uh, in this case, through Abraham. Um, and like I said, we'll dig deeper into that. So what about Isaiah 3720? Are, uh, so no no Morning. Morning. Right. Again, uh, this plea uh, that, that everyone would know that he alone, that God alone is the God of all nations. All right, so this is, this is where we take a little bit of a turn. Um, and honestly, I, I really want this to be more of a discussion than anything. Um, I know that's maybe unique for um, a Sunday morning, right, at an equipping hour. But, but with four kids, I've at least realized something, um, that when my kids come to their own conclusion of something, maybe it's, maybe it's aided a little bit, right? They're more convicted about that reality, right? So I'll give you an example. My second oldest daughter, who I won't name for the sake of the recording, uh, she, she, um, she's very smart. Um, but when she was little, she was often like always in her own world. Um, and so we would have to tell her all the time, hey, don't, don't play in the street." don't wander out there, you know, and she would just do it, she, she wasn't, she was just playful and, and playing in her own world, and she would wander from this place to that place, and, and I remember one specific instance, we were on the Bentonville Square, She was like maybe three, and uh, we were walking along, walking around a corner, and when we made the turn, she didn't, and so she walked out into the crosswalk, into oncoming traffic, and of course, in that moment, she realizes Fortunately, there's stop, walk, there's stop signs on all sides, right? She realizes, oh, I, I could have been run over, right? And all of a sudden, she realizes she's convicted by this idea that we've been telling her over and over again. Hey, don't play in the street. Don't walk out into the street. And all of a sudden, she realized it. And so what I'd like to do together is, um, is kind of explore and come to conclusions together. What does God's word say uh, about his mission, about his purpose and and how and, and can we draw a thread through this whole thing, right? Um, and to be fair, uh, we're only looking at the Old Testament this week. Gaddy's going to take us home next week in the New Testament, um, and so we'll look at some verses here. The other thing I want to say too, though, is um, one, I think that's a good exercise, but two, we, we're also very fortunate as a body to have some really, really great resources. Um, we've got members of the traveling team in-house. There's they, they teach this stuff all the time, and in fact, I think uh, that there's a called and sent uh, even kind of uh, hour in recording online somewhere that you can go listen to that covers this, the same stuff, right? And so if you want to listen to that in story form, you want to listen to that uh, in more of a kind of auditory audi, how you say that, auditory way, yeah, uh, then, then that's out there for you. So it may be a good supplement to what we're talking about and going through this morning, but for us, I'd love to just kind of get into God's Word discover it together you guys up for that okay good because I didn't have another plan if you said no <laughs> all right so the, ver- the first verse we're going to look at is Genesis 128 um, and so just to make this easier why don't why don't we do this let's just go in order so we'll have verses and we'll go start here with Zach and then go down the line and then to the back are you guys good to read okay and that way, nobody's guessing. You can go ahead and get to your spot if you want to, but it's probably good if we all turn to uh, each verse just so you can see it and digest it. Okay, so Genesis one twenty-eight. Good. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish in the sea and so on. And so, who is he talking to right here? Adam and Eve. And is this before or after sin entered the garden? This is before sin entered the garden. And so, what is God's desire for Adam and Eve? Just what it says. God's desire is for them to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth. There's a very like, tangible expression that there, He wants more people. He wants more people to be spread over the entire globe. Um, but we also know that Adam and Eve are image bearers of God, and in that they glorify God, right? And so they worship God. And so before the fall, uh, there's this desire uh, for Adam and Eve to fill the earth and ultimately for God's glory. Um, and so just a couple chapters later, though, You guys know what happens. And so uh, this starts this cycle of sin uh, in God's people, right? So still with the same commandment. uh, But let's look at Genesis 9, 1. And does that sound familiar? And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So what, what has just happened? Like, at what point is God engaging Noah and saying this to him? The flood had just happened, right? And so Noah's coming off the ark, um, and this is what he said to them, hey, be fruitful and multiply. This is after uh, God had passed judgment on all peoples and flooded the earth, and, and, and through the family of Noah's family, right, he's aiming to fulfill his purpose, right, uh, his missional purpose, and so he tells Noah the same thing that he told Adam and Eve. Be fruitful, and multiply, fill the earth. All right, let's, let's go on to Genesis 11, 1 through 9. I think we can stop there too. So
1: that's.
0: Yep, I think we're good. So, Sorry. no, yeah, no, you're good. So, uh, we just heard Adam and Eve fill the earth and multiply. Noah, fill the earth, multiply and fill the earth. And then we come two chapters later, and uh, what are God's people doing? Yeah, they're going, hey, let's, they, first of all, they had one language, right? And so they said, let's just all come together and stay together, um, and we'll build a tower up to God. Um, but was, was that what God asked them to do? No. What, what was their main reason uh, to build the city and not scatter over the face of the earth? What did they want to do? Interesting. And here we are after God intentionally saying, hey, go make a name for me, right? Go make my name great. Um, Fill the earth. And his people, uh, at this point, uh, decided that they wouldn't do that. A direct disobedience to what God had just asked them to do a couple chapters before. Now, to be fair, in the first, like, 12 chapters Of Genesis, it covers like 2,000 years. And so this isn't just like right after the fact, but it's easy to say that and kind of point blame at them. So um, I'm not exactly sure the distance between Noah and this instance happening, um, but there was some time. And so um, why did the Lord want them to scatter So, 12 verses in, you guys seen a theme yet? 12 chapters in, I should say. 11 chapters in. You guys seen a theme? What's the theme so far? Yeah, that's right. Well said. God created people for himself, and ultimately for his glory, to fill the earth. Um, and so, what was the result of man's disobedience in this specific example of Tower of Babel, what happened as a, as a result of their disobedience? There's two things. We already talked about one. One of them was scattering. The second one was he confused their languages. In this one instance, we get all of the languages that cover the earth today. It's a pretty incredible moment, right, if you think about it. one. Everybody trying to congregate together, and God says, nope, I'm going to spread you out. Can you imagine that scene? And two, um, he all of a sudden takes one language and turns it into a lot, um, especially when you can see your dialects and all the things. So um, that happens in this one moment. All right, so let's move on to the next um, next verse, which is Genesis 12, 1 through 4. All right, so uh, a couple things here. Um, one, uh, I'll, I'll, use a, I'll use an illustration from Sean Cooper. If you guys don't have too much in your Bible or if you have an actual version of it, um, he uses illustration to say, look, uh, this is Abraham's covenant with God, right? And it was a really cool illustration. The first time I ever heard it uh, was last year during called and sent. And um, basically what he said was, is I guess he asked the question, what hangs off of this verse, or off this set of Scripture? Right? First 12 chapters of the Bible, and then literally everything else hinges on this one section of Scripture. Um, this is Abraham's covenant with God. Um, there's a ton we could get into. There's a ton we could dive into, but there are a couple questions I do want to answer together. Um, one is this. What did God command Abraham to do, or Abram at the time? Yeah, go from your country, go from your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you. Can you imagine this? He's 75 years old, um, and God's saying, hey, everything you've ever known, because you have to think culturally, uh, Abraham did, Abraham did what his father had done, and he was inheriting the things that his, his father had, right? And all of a sudden, God says, hey, at 75, I need you to to go to a place I'm going to show you. Um, and, and what does Abraham do? He goes. It's wild. Um, I mean... So many things to, to unpack here, um, but one is this, is that uh, what, did, what did God promise he would give Abraham if he obeyed? It's in verse 2 there. He says, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. In in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went, right, as a result of this. Abraham didn't have any kids at this point. You guys know the rest of the story. Like, he's 75 years old, and God's telling him, hey, I'm going to make you a great nation. He's going, what? <laughs> all right, I, I guess I'll go. Um It just didn't seem real plausible. There's a lot of faith in this. Um, Another thing to mention here is that um, God is mentioning this blessing, right? Uh, what What do you think this blessing is? Yeah, Yeah, is it in Romans or Galatians? I'm trying to remember where it says uh, something really interesting here. Uh, Yeah, it says, for the promise to Abraham and his offspring, this is Romans 4.13, for the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world, did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, right? So we see Abraham working here in faith. Uh, he doesn't have kids. He doesn't have an inheritance if he leaves his father's land and his, all his people. Um, he's, he's stepping out in faith. This is a big deal. Um, and I think in Galatians, it says something along the lines of, um, and in this, God preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand. Um, This is, is, they call it the proto-gospel or the uh, proto-evangelism or something like that. Uh, Don't take my word on that. You can look it up. Uh, Take it as a walk away. Um, In that, um, this actually isn't even the first time that we're seeing the gospel. We see the gospel the first time in Genesis 128 when when God is asking them to fill the earth, multiply. But God in this instance is saying, look, I'm going to redeem your people through you. I mean, not just your people, all peoples of the earth. That's a huge thing. Um, and over and over again, we'll, we'll read this, and we, we can, um, we'll move on to the next section, but, but I want to be really clear about what this gospel is, is that, is that God would send his son, right, to be fully God and fully man um, and take on the weight of the world, the weight of the sin of the world, um, to die a brutal death, uh, to be buried and be raised again uh, for the sake of our sins. And that's what God is telling Abraham in this moment, that, Abraham, through you, I'm going to redeem all people and ultimately going to uh, bring glory to my name in that. All right? So uh, let's look on to see how this carries out through, throughout the rest of Scripture. Let's turn to, uh, I believe it's Genesis uh, 26, 1 through 5. Yeah, that's good. Um Gaddy, if you don't mind, will you go ahead and read uh yeah, ten through fifteen, chapter twenty eight? Okay, so what's going on in these two, two sections, right? So in chapter 26, um, this is God's promise to Isaac. You guys know Isaac uh, is Abraham's son, um, and God is just passing on this covenant to Isaac and telling him the same thing that he's, he told Abraham. What, uh, what is that promise that he's, he's continuing on? Yeah. That's right. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to you, uh, and give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Again, this idea that that through Abraham, not just Israel, but all nations will be blessed, right? Um, Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. He's addressing a matter of righteousness, but he was righteous through his faith to step out and go and do what God had asked him to do despite being 75, uh, despite not having kids, despite not having another plan uh, for work or an inheritance. He is being, you know, Abraham was faithful to to follow him. And and Isaac is taking on this same charge. And then again, in, in chapter 28, we see the same thing with Jacob. But in this scenario, right? So God tells Abraham, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going to give you a land that I'll show you. But in reality, he didn't even see it, right? Jacob's the one seeing it. He's the one being promised it. Um, and so this same uh, covenant is being passed down and, and shown uh, and continued through Abraham's descendants. All right, so let's, let's turn over to a new book. Let's go to Exodus uh, chapter 9, uh, verse 16. And so from here on out, we're kind of following God's, the story of his people. And we've been doing that, right? But um, as they uh, go from place to place and experience things, uh, like we'll see what God is still commanding them to do and what he's doing through them. So Exodus chapter 9 verse 16. Cole, you got that one? Yeah, so what, what's going on right here? What's happening in the midst of Exodus chapter 9, verse 16? Yes, yeah, so, so right, uh, Moses is pleading with, um, with Pharaoh to, hey, let, let God's people go, right? You guys know the song. I know you're all thinking it right now. Um, probably have the voice for that right now. Um, yeah, he's pleading with, with Pharaoh to, to, to leave uh, their captivity in Egypt. This is after years and years and years of captivity in Egypt. Uh, and they're, they're wanting to get out, right? And God is, is helping them to get out. This is part of the process of that. Um, but why did God show Pharaoh his power through the plagues? What, what does it say in verse 16? But for this purpose I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name, right, so that God's name um, may be proclaimed in all the earth. Again, you start, you're continuing to see God's heartbeat here. The same thread run through all the scriptures um, that God's name would be made great, Uh, that his purpose is to fill the earth with people from every tribe, tongue, and nation worshiping him. We'll get to that. All right, Deuteronomy 4, 5, and 6 What do y'all want to take on the back row? So so what's happening right here? What are we what are we in the middle of? Israel's growing, moving into the land. Yeah. God's them of how they are yeah. so... So after all these years, right, we're in Deuteronomy now. We're past numbers. And, um, after all these years, uh, God is finally allowing them to enter into the promised land. And as a part of that, he's giving them the Ten Commandments. Um, and what does he say? He says, uh, what verse are we starting at? Five and six. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me, uh, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it, keep them and do them for for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who when they hear all these statutes will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Um, again, this is for God's glory, right? This this is saying, hey. um, this nation is a wise and understanding nation, right? This is not because of who they are. They've just come out of the wilderness, but because of who God is, uh, as long as they keep these statutes, So God is giving them some things to live by so that his name will be made great by their actions, their activities, the things they do, the, the wisdom they have, the statutes they keep. All right, let's turn over to Joshua. Again, we're flying through as much of the Old Testament as we can. We're, we're getting close to the end. Joshua uh, 2, 9 through 10. All right, so Rahab is saying, Your reputation precedes you. Um, But how, in this, how did the nations respond to God parting the Red Sea? Is this the right one? Looking at the right verse? Maybe not. Oh, sorry. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry let's see happen already um i think i have the wrong reference down but e- either way um ultim- she's saying like we've heard of all of the yeah because, uh, right right and so we're seeing this carried out again this the theme here is among the nations right this is not just uh for Abraham and his family this is that his God's name is being made great because of the things that he's doing to take them to the promised land and to fulfill his work through them Um, let's turn over to Samuel um, 17 first Samuel 17 verses 45 and 47 I'll, I'll cover this one Why does God allow David to slay Goliath on this day, right? You guys remember the whole story. Uh, Little brother David comes in to take care of this big Philistine army um, that they're all scared about. We could talk a lot about this, but but ultimately, why does God uh, give Goliath into the hands of David? Is it because David's some great warrior? No, he's just a shepherd at this point. This is early on. Um... And so what does he say? In verse 46, uh, down towards the, bottom, and, I will, um, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Again, this is God's work being purposed towards His mission. All right First Kings 4:29 uh, through 34. So why did God give Solomon wisdom? What's that? He asked for it. Uh, and it was, a, it was a noble ask, right? He wanted to be able to lead the nation well. But ultimately, what does God do through the wisdom that he's given Solomon? Brings glory to his name again, right? Um, Because it's not Solomon's wisdom, it's God's wisdom. I mean, all the nations are coming to Solomon to hear from him and ultimately from God. Again, he's making his name great through his peoples. All right, Uh, Daniel uh, chapter 3.